and welcome back to the Riverdale Recap Podcast. Today we will be talking about the 20th episode of Riverdale Season 3, Prom Night. I'm Mary Kukowski and I am joined, as always, by the Kirsten McKinnis. How are you doing this <laughs> evening? I'm good. I was wondering how you were going to face the the lack of adjective. And you know what? I can be the Kirsten McKinnis, the one and only. I'm okay with that. I mean, I only speak the truth. We got very lucky that I have today off. So we're actually recording this episode really quickly after it aired, which I think is new for us, but I like it. We used to record like Fridays pretty typically, so I could get them yeah. out on like Saturday, which was great. And then we have just been slipping. So we're getting back on the ball. We're going to try We've and do this busy, well. We've been busy, okay? <laughs> and so, and with my new job, it's going to have to be just later recording times. So, I'm sorry. It's okay. We'll still, the goal is always to get it out before the next episode airs. So. I don't think we've ever failed on that, have we? I don't think so either. Because the only times okay. we've been really late have been when there's been like a few week hiatuses. Hi, hi, oh, hi. See, we're fine. Yadises. Yadises? <laughs> yeah. It's easier. Yeah, so this episode was great. I, I actually was really excited. I, the whole episode, I was thinking, yay, things are wrapping up, because in my mind, there were only going to be 21 episodes this season, because that's what I read on Wikipedia two weeks ago, and then I checked yesterday, and it says 22 episodes. So for all we know, there could be 23, and they'll just tell us next time. We don't know. It made me kind of sad, though, because I was really hoping this was going to get wrapped up. Well, and I, like, I know we talked about it and we thought there was going to be 21 and then it got updated to 22, but in my mind when I started watching this episode, I was like, there's going to be 22 episodes and this is episode 21 because I just had it in my head that we were on the penultimate episode. (laughs) And unfortunately, that was not the case, but we did get a truly wild hour of television. Well, I want to check real quick. Okay, so season two, the season two had 22 episodes and the 20th episode, okay, so uh, in season two... On the 20th episode, Betty does pretty much figure out that Hal is the Black Hood. She thinks he is. And then by 21, she actually confronts that. And then by 22, it's all sort of like Hiram stuff leading into season three. So if there are 22 episodes, we could potentially still wrap up the murderer and everything next episode and then just use the final episode of the season to kind of set up the next one, which is basically what they did in season one also. I'm pretty sure they revealed the end of episode 12 that who the uh, who the killer of Jason Blossom was. Or is it, it was either at the very beginning of episode 13 or the very end of episode 12. They love just like giving you the stuff that you think is gonna be in the finale a couple episodes early and then wrapping it up and then starting something else crazy at the at the end. Which I'm not mad about and I think that there was a lot of stuff in this episode which we'll get to that that definitely was trying to tell us what we're gonna do in season four. It also though, I gotta say, it's making me feel more and more like season four is gonna be the last season. Um, maybe and maybe that's for the best. I mean, I'm not mad about it. Like, I <laughs> I think this show is great and entertaining and terrible at the same time. But it definitely seems like the kind of thing where if it went on too long, it would just get... I mean, what are they going to do? Like, you you, you, you have a couple options because the CW does this. Like, when you look at something like Smallville, for example, they wrapped okay. up in, in... There were 10 seasons of Smallville and they wrapped up the person... The people who you thought were the big villains that were sort of driving the plot. They wrapped a lot of that up by, like, season six. And then the last four seasons were just individual villains for each of those seasons. And so it mm-hmm. kind of felt a little more like episodic and not as not as cohesive as a full unit. Well, and honestly, I, f- I feel like Riverdale hasn't been cohesive as a unit in a long time. Fair. <laughs> Definitely like, fair. Has it already gone on too long? <laughs> 
I mean, maybe. Yeah, I, there, I, there's definitely certain plot lines that have gone on too long. For example, the boxing plot line. Shall we jump in to Archie? Uh, do we have to? I mean, we do. It's definitely the shortest of the plot lines and the least relevant to the rest of the plot, which is basically Archie. Like, this whole season, they're trying to make us care that Archie enjoys fighting, and they're trying to make us care that he's got this, like, hero guilt complex, but he has nothing to do with the farm, and he has nothing to do with the Gargoyle King for the most part. Even making him the Red Paladin, that was wrapped up. The Red Paladin stuff is over. We don't need that anymore. It's done. Yeah, I just... And now it's all coming full circle and I'm just done with it. Yeah, it really is. So Molly Ringwald arrives and I understand that her name is Mary Andrews on the show. It's really difficult for me to take notes on someone named Mary. It confuses me. What? Why? I can't imagine why. It just confuses me. It makes me think I'm talking in a third person. So I can't can't handle that. But yeah, so Molly shows up, which I think we all predicted this is the yeah. first episode that was filmed after Luke Perry passed away and so I think a lot of people were wondering are they going to substitute in Molly Ringwald as Archie's parental figure are we going to do that for a little while and then actually have Fred Andrews pass away on the show what are we gonna do I think we're gonna have a combination of having Molly Ringwald around and having just sort of talking about Fred Andrews but not actually seeing him yeah and so I kind of zoned out a little bit at the start did they say where nope Fred is supposed to be no. or just that he's away? It made no sense. They they literally, at the beginning of the episode, Mary Andrews comes home and Archie's like, oh, I would have gone to pick you up, but dad took the truck. But he doesn't say that he's gone. He just it made it sound like he's maybe at work with the truck or something. By the end of the episode, they said dad's out of town. So he is out of town supposedly, but we, I, I like, I, I really don't think the show is going to kill Fred Andrews. I don't think they should and I don't think they will. I think we're just going to hear about him and not see him. I don't, I don't know. It might be better if they just did to be honest like it's real like I have a really hard time anytime they bring up Fred it really like I get a little twang of emotion I, I do too but I think it's I think it's almost more callous to kill off the character and I think that I mean this is so not important when you talk about people who are actually dying in real life but I don't want to watch a show where Archie is depressed because his dad has passed away as well I mean watching him upset that the Black Hood shot his father in season two was hard enough and I just don't I don't think that that's good or fun or entertaining. I don't want to be someone advocating for dead parents because I certainly am not that person and like that hits close to home but it just feels like a cop out to just mention him. I don't know. It just seems weird to me. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's really tricky and I'm sure the show will do what's best for everyone involved but I don't know. I, I do think we all kind of saw this coming though of having Molly Ringwald pop in for at least a little yeah, while. Yeah, no, she had to come in for at least a few and I wonder like is Molly Ringwald on anything else right now? Like is she busy like maybe they will just have her for a while maybe r2 will move to chicago for a few episodes let's see molly ringwald is currently on a tv series called tales of the city i've never heard of that and in post-production for something called kingfish that appears to be it Okay, so good to know. Always nice to see Molly Ringwald on our screens. So she finds out about the boxing and she is not a fan of it. I guess we are to believe that Mary Andrews hated even when Archie played football because that was too dangerous. Which like, yeah, Yeah, like it is. (laughs) Yeah. But like you can't wrap your kid in bubble wrap and expect like Archie's been in jail. He's been in an illegal fight club. He has been a vigilante. He's been attacked. Like just let 
let the boy punch things if that's but, what he wants. But honestly, there's not the appropriate amount of worry here because, like, it's one thing to say, oh, I don't want you to be on the school's boxing club or a wrestling team or whatever, but it's very different to be like, oh, yeah, it's a little weird that you own a boxing gym now with all of these basically juvenile delinquents. Yeah, it's very odd that he just, like, owns this business. Did Archie ever get the deed to this yeah, business? Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> definitely not. Meanwhile, Veronica, who is apparently just his manager now. I, okay, cool. I just, like, what so is this a fourth business? Like, so is, she's his manager and his PR rep, and she has the speakeasy, and she has pops. So that's four okay. jobs. More importantly, these jobs could be given to adults. What happened to Sheriff Keller being his trainer slash manager? What happened to, like, Mayor McCoy, who could be a great PR rep, or even freaking Alice Cooper? Like, stop. Stop giving these jobs to Veronica, who is at the 17. Ah. Okay, whatever. And she's not 17. She's 16. Well, we'll see. I mean, they, they stated today that somebody was 17. I don't remember who it was. I don't remember I wrote that, it so down. it doesn't feel real to me. Anyway, so, but yeah, so I guess Mad Dog also just left Elio's gym and, like, is not employed by him anymore. I, like, I thought the whole deal was that he needed money to get his family out of that, like, bad apartment. Th- whatever. I, I don't even care. I don't know. Anyway, so he gets this, like, application for the regional classic, which, like, stop calling them boxing tournaments. It's not a tournament if they're just gonna fight one person. Anyways. But he needs parental consent to sign. And I ask, have there been forms for every other fight? Or has he just been doing this without permission? Oh, who freaking knows? It, like, not important. A pipe burst in the locker room, also not important. But Veronica, I guess instead, Veronica's like, I want to buy this place or, like, at least manage it or something. And Archie, I guess, is just fine with it. I, I don't know. Like, who even owns this? Like, I don't think Archie technically owns this gym. Like, Hiram gave it to him. But that just means Hiram's like, here, you can use it. Like, here's the keys. Archie doesn't, Archie's not paying rent on this place. I don't know. Yeah. I, like, I don't I'd... think people understand that when you, just because you own a building on a show, doesn't mean that you, like, don't have to continually pay to, like, upkeep it and, like, for legal reasons and some property stuff. I don't understand the point. Like, I don't care about any of this. No, none of us do. Basically, he he doesn't want to go to college because he feels behind on everything. But he is, like, yep. seemingly still going to class, I guess. Like, what happened to him being like, I want to go to homecoming and, like, graduate with my friends. And now he's like, I don't care. Like, either quit school or don't quit school. Like, either get a job, don't. But, like, what is but this the limbo? the thing is, is he's so far behind because he didn't write his SATs or pass anything. Wait, so, SATs like, have nothing to do with you like being ahead or behind like that's just a test like is he going to class is he learning things i don't think so whatever but he yeah archie archie is the most infuriating person because like i just want to say here i don't think that all people need to go to college that's not like that's do whatever you want with your life but it's really really different to be like he has just found boxing he's not a prodigy he's not that good like he's he's fine i think he's decent in this small town but like he's not amazing so it's not like oh you found your calling you need to go do this professional like, for whatever reason, every time Archie finds a hobby, music or football or whatever, he's like, this is it. This is the thing that I need to do for the rest of my life and make money off. No, you don't. You can do it on the side or you can, like, have a music career, but then also do some other work or go to school or whatever. So everything is so all or nothing for him that it's just really, really unrealistic. Like, I love theater and I did theater all through high school. But at no point did I say, like, if I'm going to do theater, I need to drop out of school and, like, pursue this to this crazy like, extent. 
I'm like, moving to New York and I'm going to be on Broadway. Yeah. Like, which, again, like, if that's your passion and you're actually really good at it, do that. But but it's it's just so, it's so unrealistic, everything he does, and he just gives up on, like, the normalcy of life. And it's like, it's fine. Don't go to college, but at least graduate high school or do something or get a job. Like, he doesn't have, he has no income. I don't know. Yeah, it's just very frustrating. And so he gives Veronica the application saying his mom signed. Lies. Asks Veronica to prom. Yeah. Which, like, okay, whatever, I don't care. Uh, and then Archie's mom has decided, okay, I support you in boxing, but if you're going to do it, I want you to get an education. So how about you join the Navy? Well, okay, there's a difference. He's not, she's not saying, like, join the Navy. She's saying go to the Naval Academy. But don't you have to join the Navy to go? Well, so the Naval Academy, because I had a couple friends who went to the Naval Academy. The Naval Academy is, first off, like, really hard to get into and very prestigious. Like, you definitely need to graduate high school to get into the Naval oh, Academy, definitely. first off. It's also, like, maybe he could get there on some kind of boxing scholarship, but, like, still he's gonna need decent grades. It's not like I can just flunk out of school and then go on this boxing scholarship. So the Naval Academy would be a great gig for him. What she was saying, because Archie's mom calls in this lady who I wrote down Brooke Rivers. I don't even know if that was actually her name, but I'm pretty sure at some point they called her, like, Sergeant Rivers or something. Anyway, so this this person comes in and is going to interview him and then watch him box, but... Basically, you might need to serve a little bit of time in the Navy, much in the same way if you got a Navy scholarship to like medical school or something. They pay for your medical school, you save like half a million dollars, but then you have to serve for usually however many years you stayed in school for, so four or five years or whatever, you have to serve for that. And Archie's point is like, oh, but then I'm not going to be prime boxing age anymore after I graduate or after I finish serving, which is possibly true, but usually the way it works, and I'm not an expert, so I don't know this 100%, but usually the the way it works is he could like you still have to serve that time but you can like postpone it or shift it around a little or maybe like serve a couple years i know it's different for different people and, and different for different whether it's the army or the navy or whatever but there are ways that he could do it and this is a really good gig and he should really take this opportunity yeah but archie doesn't believe in taking opportunities he believes in forcing things into opportunities it's just annoying so he's like cool i'm gonna set up an exhibition match so you can watch me fight but also like both archie and mary seemed shocked that Brooke would need to see them see him fight like they both seemed like taken aback by that I thought and it's like yeah of course they need to see you fight because if you're gonna have an opportunity where there's like a scholarship they need to actually like scout to see that you're any good yeah obviously also Archie is like really concerned about this whole regional classic thing which I feel like we didn't understand like was there a monetary prize or like is this going to do like why did he care so much about this tournament I I think it might be like a local press prestige thing but like and know. there must be some money but like <sighs> whatever so all of a sudden Archie is too heavy he's six pounds too heavy which first off again I don't know much about boxing but couldn't he just be in a different weight class then no so well like yes but the way a lot of this works for like making weight is th- they try to put you in as low a weight class as possible so that you have a better shot like you'll be at the higher end of your weight class rather than the smaller well, end right, but we talked about this last episode because or two episodes go because his whole deal with Randy Ronson was that he had to gain weight to get into the middleweight class instead of being a welterweight. Yeah, and so now I think he's back down as a welterweight and he needs to do that. And so yeah, but, but, Archie but decides... he beat Randy. Like, couldn't he just... I mean, he was on the low end of I that. Mean, also, Randy I, was on drugs. But they also implied that he had, like, just barely, like, gotten, like, one pound into the middleweight class. Did he then all of a sudden gain five more pounds on top of that? 
I don't know. But anyway, so six pounds in a week is certainly doable for cutting for these types of sports. It's not healthy. It's not good for you to lose that much weight that fast. It's something that you can definitely do if you're into like boxing or wrestling. I was friends with a lot of wrestlers in college and a lot of times they would have to lose like an unrealistic amount of weight in a short period of time. And they would do things like wear garbage bags and sit in a sauna or hot water or go for a run in several layers to like sweat it all out because most of the time you can get rid of most of the weight just in water right and then you just like eat very little yeah I've Archie de- I mean, seems to think you can lose six pounds by doing pull-ups and push-ups yeah that, that, stuff that was like, the part that no. didn't make any sense like when he was jumping rope in like heavy clothes that made sense yeah but like to lose that much weight you need to not eat a lot and you need to sweat a lot and you need to get like you said get rid of the water weight I've definitely dropped that amount of weight through like through being sick basically yeah which which has happened also they don't tell us how far apart we assume it's approximately a week we don't know how long he actually had could have been like three days I don't know yeah but like he still could have done it mostly in water weight if he was like being smart about it and by being smart about it I mean being extremely stupid like for the record it is incredibly irresponsible and you're gonna be to, so like weak. try these these methods and like it'll be bad well like most of the time though like the weigh-in will be like, a day or two before the fight and you just need to make it for the weigh-in and then you don't have to like you could then gain weight before the fight in those two days <sighs> and like eat a ton or whatever seems um, ridiculous it's like the, the whole way that works and like I'm not an expert by any means I find it really messed up the way the like cutting and bulking is for specifically like fighting sports yeah so we have a literal eye of the tiger boxing training montage which was just I'm kind of surprised that it took 20 episodes to have that but also stop okay but I hated it so much yeah the whole time I was just sitting there like Archie this is not what you need to do if you want to lose weight this is not how you lose weight I am extremely glad we didn't have to watch another fight so thank you episode for that and then I don't understand why this is something that's so unrealistic because in real life you could come up with a lie you could just tell the recruiter like maybe not the day of when you lose the fight but tell her like a couple days in advance oh hey sorry can we postpone this to Saturday can we do this fight on Thursday like you could change it you don't you you could say I'm sick or I'm just I'm not feeling well I'm not feeling my best or like oh something came up and I have to go to the DMV I don't know just like come up with something you don't need to lie you don't need to do some really dumb oh he's under the weather thing the second before the fight's supposed to happen I just people reschedule things all the time I don't know why yeah like stuff comes up especially when he scheduled this fight just like a few days in advance but Archie trips going into the ring because he lost his regional classic and he's like super upset about it which yay he finally lost something hopefully that's telling him maybe boxing's not for me but I don't think it is and then it sounds like Molly Ringwald knows everything I'm guessing that Veronica clued her in on everything and uh, this is when he's they say that he's 17 so uh, yeah I guess I mean that makes sense like I was 17 as a junior like by the end of junior year but I don't know we don't know when his birthday is so I was not yeah I was 17 halfway through senior year oh wow well (laughs) you're young then I guess I I think it's just like depending on where you are you can start school earlier or later yeah and by the end of the episode Molly says that she's gonna stick stick around in Riverdale for a little while because Riverdale's kind of messed up no take Archie away from Riverdale because Riverdale is so messed up I don't know the the amount of stuff that happens in the show this show it was being a little bit self-aware which we'll get to when we get to the prom stuff but I don't know so she's decided to support Archie but I think that she should really be pushing for him to graduate high school first yeah I think graduating high school is a a great move here the other thing that we kind of uh, skipped over in here is just like the Archie Veronica dynamic where they're both like no we're just friends but it's like yeah okay Uh, and then the scene where Pop sees that oh right Veronica is getting the chocolate shop uh, evaluated so that she can get 
a loan to try and invest in Archie's boxing gym. Yeah, so she claims that she's rolling in the cash because she's been making a lot of money at the speakeasy, but then she needs to get a loan to fix up the boxing gym. And we'll talk more about the Veronica ownership stuff in a minute, but I think, I don't know. I had like a little sad moment when Pop was like sort of longingly looking after her after she left and said like, oh, I'm just helping Archie out. We're just friends. And he seemed to be really rooting for for the love story here. So Pop is such a sweetheart. Pop is like too pure for this show. He really is. So this is a little bit out of order because normally we do the Betty stuff last, but I think we should talk about the Betty stuff next because this is sort of the Betty stuff mostly involving her father and then the Betty stuff involving the farm and the Gargoyle King I sort of lumped into a different plot line because there was a little bit of fallout from the end of last episode where we saw that Veronica was saying, oh my gosh, the car van, whatever, that was taking Hal and a couple other prisoners to the new Lodge prison had some sort of accident and there are no survivors. So the opening scene of this episode, I actually thought was one of the best shot, most beautiful scenes we've seen in a really long time. From like driving up and seeing the rut? Yeah, there was like a car crash and they did this, they did a couple really cool shots of like seeing oil drip on the ground and and just the way that was shot was very, it reminded me of like season one, some like really beautiful sort of shots. Like this, that's one thing I don't think we talk about enough on this show is just how how pretty the whole thing is. Like they they really do make the colors really pop and it's it's very beautiful looking. So I love the style of the show and I think we got some really great sort of slow-mo with that and the slow-mo of Betty and Veronica driving up in her old car. I, I liked a lot of it. It was cool. Well, and that's part of it is because it is set in beautiful British Columbia and uh, that's literally the like slogan, like how every state has like a thing. What is their BC's slogan? BC's thing is, is beautiful British Columbia. Oh, beautiful British Columbia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's pretty, I think it's a little funny that FP is already back at work. Like I, I like the fact that he has a with the sling, sling on. on. Like, oh, okay, thank you for making us think for a second that this is right after last episode, but also shouldn't you be like in jail or at least being questioned? There's a lot I of guess he's legal stuff that we just forget about. Like we forget you know about I'm the fact that it. Archie like killed someone and we forget about like Elio and I guess the paying the money to the Ronsons was just it. And and this one, I guess shooting up pops didn't matter. So I don't know, man. I guess they just like did an investigation behind the scenes and uh, figure out that everything's fine. Yeah. So FP went, I guess, straight from the hospital to the scene of this accident because like obviously they're not going to leave a roadway blocked for days and days and days, right? And so it looks like quite, quite a gnarly crash. And Betty walks up and they kind of give you that moment where you think she's going to just be sad about her dad, but really she's like the Black Hood is back. Like he planned this. Oh my God. And uh, FP of course is like, no, like we found five or six, however many heads. We found six heads. So that's how many people were in the car. So there was no survivors. And the minute they're talking about heads and DNA, blah, blah, blah. I was like, he's not dead. I knew he wasn't dead last episode. No. And I still know he's not dead today. If I don't see a gravestone and, and someone being buried, like the only time we've ever seen someone die where I was like, yep, they are dead was when Midge died. And I don't believe any other deaths. So 100% Hal is alive and we all know this. And of course we have like a little bit of, I don't know if red herring is really the right word, but like nobody seems to really be believing Betty throughout this episode, but she's mm-hmm. definitely right here. I mean, it lines up, you know, she she was talking to her dad. He was the one who wanted the transfer. If we don't see body like matching and the fact yeah. that FP was like, we'll have to analyze the heads. 
what kind of accident was this where everybody lost their head? Okay, yeah. So everyone was decapitated and also, I guess, like burned to the extent that their faces are unrecognizable. Who I don't know. But it must have been a very horrific crash. So I hope that the people in the other car were okay. So Betty immediately decides, okay, I'm going to warn Alice about this, which is like pretty nice, I guess. But like, don't keep, stop going back to the farm. Yeah. Okay. This is another discontinuity between last episode and this one. She was literally just chased out of the farm, or not chased out of the farm, but being, running away from the farm with them trying to like pull her in. And now she's like, well, okay, it's daytime. So I guess it's fine now. I can just walk back in and they're not going to try and capture me. It's whatever. And also all the farmies last episode, including her mom and Cheryl and Tony, were very much like, gotta get Betty. Like, we're, you know, hypnotized. And now they seem completely fine for most of this episode. So it's it, like, whatever. I don't know, man. Yeah. So Alice has a, a very trendy infinity tattoo on her wrist, which is the most basic bitch thing I think we've seen on Riverdale to date. Yeah, you just need to add one more infinity symbol and that's the, the revenge tattoo. So all of our shows on Kowski Cast would come full yeah, circle. It's, it is full circle in fact it, it might be an infinity sign yeah uh so betty goes back to school she's still telling everyone her dad escaped she thinks that he's alive and everyone's kind of like yeah maybe betty poor betty whatever i they're like I, I but even of, if he is like you've got the serpent at, at this point i kind of wish that it would just turn out that she was he was actually dead just like so that she could be paranoid and that no one would trust her but that's kind of a little much no that's um, horrible why would you want that for anyone i don't know and then Jughead's like, oh, you can move back in with me. When did she move out? Did I? Did she I, move out? I guess she was, I feel like she's been living half with him and half with Veronica. And I, I guess, guess she's just been more full time with Veronica, which you know what? It makes sense because Betty's outfit this episode was super cute. It was. I liked a lot of, I liked a lot of the outfits. I do want to note here that uh, pretty much everyone in this entire episode was wearing a crop top or see-through shirt to school again. So still going on with that, I guess. You know what? Dress codes are sexist. F the patriarchy, wear a crop top if you want to wear a crop top. Honestly, I like a lot of Evelyn's clothes. Like she's, she's, that's the kind of style I would wear. She she wears a lot of like the sort of high-waisted shorts with the like the crop tops and it's a lot of a very like 90s or even like very like stripes, oranges and I like it. I'm gonna need you to watch Chilling Adventures of Sabrina because you are going to love the costuming on that show. I'll have to, I'll have to get into that. It's very like Twin Peaks 90s realness. Yeah, I love that Peter Pan collars. And, and all that huh. kind of stuff. It's incredible. Um, also, everyone is, both Archie and Jughead are like, it's fine. We'll protect you from your dad. At, why does Betty need protecting? Like, I feel like she's the, I mean, we'll get to this episode, but like, I, I feel like theoretically she should be the one who's the safest. The Black Hood never really tried to kill her. Like, he terrorized her, but he never, he never tried to hurt her. And it's her dad. She knows who it is. Like, he was, he, she helped him escape technically. So I assume it's some, like, didn't she, but she also helped catch him. Right. But why is, like, shouldn't, Archie be afraid of him? Um, no, Archie's not afraid of anything. He's a world-class boxer. Uh, whatever. Okay, so, and then there's a really great line when uh, Cheryl comes in and tells everyone it's time for prom, and uh, Veronica's like, prom is this weekend? We still do things like that here? Just like, yeah. yes, I mean, it's great that you are recognizing that we are just so separated from school and normalcy, and then Betty's like, I mean, apparently, so I love that. I love that moment. Yeah, that was a, that was a great moment. And some nice progressive Betty asking Jughead to prom. That was cute. 
That was very cute. I liked them. And then I liked how Archie and Veronica just stared at each other awkwardly. Uh, you can try to make them a thing, but I just don't care about them. I just, how happy are you in this episode that the serpent got their prom queen? <laughs> um. Wow, that took a second. So check out the fan fiction, the serpent and no, his prom queen. No, check it out. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh, so good. So Betty goes to a shooting range and she's pretty good at shooting. Good for her. You're definitely not usually allowed to answer phone calls inside the shooting range. Also in TV shows, I love how whoever is there from the show is like the only person there. That's never been what I've seen, but whatever. And so also, can we just stop with the Dr. Curdle Jr.? Like nobody remembers Dr. Curdle Sr. Just call him Dr. Curdle. Like you don't need to call him Dr. Curdle Yeah, just call him Dr. Curdle. Like just like in episode one when they like brought up that this was Dr. Curdle Jr. We we don't care. I would have thought it was the same guy. Just call him Dr. Curdle. Yeah. Why it, did we need? Doesn't matter. Um. And so they're like, oh, well, we got fingerprints off one of his hands. So he's definitely dead. Nope. If we don't see the head dead, like he's not dead. And so I, I definitely did not buy it. I kind of was surprised that they didn't bother to go talk to like Penelope because you would assume that maybe she knows where Hal is. Yeah, you'd think, but guess not. No, guess not. Uh, That was pretty much it of the sort of Hal Cooper plotline until we get to prom. So let's jump into the Jughead stuff. Uh, Jughead, gargoyles kind of thing. There's a little bit of fallout of JB is not happy that Gladys left. Uh, I love love JB actually being kid here. We talked about this last episode as well, but the sort of creepy JB working with her mom, like I'm tricking my dad thing. I'm kind of glad we're done with that for now at least and that she can hopefully be an actual character. She's Jughead is like talking to her about playing Griffins and Gargoyles because she says that she uh, that uh, Ricky told her about their quest that they're supposed to be going on, which is to find the gospel, which is apparently yeah. where the Gargoyle it's King the keeps word. all secrets. The word of the of the Gargoyle King. Now let's just talk about the gospel real quick because Jughead is going to find the gospel book with his dad when they go to Junkyard Steve's. Okay, it's my favorite. But they find this bus, and inside the creepy bus where Kurtz apparently was living, they find the the book. Now, right away, my thought was, okay, Ricky, this is clearly some sort of setup, some sort of plan setup where they want Jughead to find this gospel. So I thought it was gonna be a trap of some form. I, I just like I can't figure out how stupid Jughead is to just believe everything in this game. Like what why are they there's sort of like two parts of okay, so you believe believe this gospel thing is true in that the gargoyle king will actually follow the rules even though literally last episode you were tricked into jumping inside an icebox that did not contain either your sister or your doom I like none of this you, you've seen him lie before so why would you buy this and why would you think he goes by these rules yeah like I kind of got it when Jughead was like yeah um they always keep their word because no one had really lied to him yet but now that someone's lied to him like move on I don't know. It, I just didn't, I didn't get where he was going with these rules for, I, I, I don't know. At this point, I kind of feel like the Gargoyle King is not like a supernatural mythical thing, but is a person using that to mm-hmm. hypnotize and corrupt people. Yeah. So I, I don't buy that the Gargoyle King is ever going to follow any kind of rules laid out by anything, which is kind of what we got from this episode. They go back to the Serpent Hideout, which, I don't know, the number of like random hideouts and like secret places they have in the show Kind of just makes no sense. Well, and then you think about the serpents are homeless. Why can't they find a hidey hole? Well, I think the serpents live in 
in this place that used to be the gargoyle hideout, but now is kind of just like a cool, I don't know if it's like a house. It kind of looks like the inside of a barn because the, the walls are all like made out of metal kind of. So I don't really, I don't really know what this place is or where it is. We can only assume it's behind Fred Andrews' house. Yeah, it has to be. Yeah. Where else could it be? I, I like that they have another murder board. It's been a while since we've had a murder board. Love a good murder board. There's all the prisoners on it. Betty's a little bit distracted still about her dad and Jughead here for the first time is like, hey, you know, like you can take a day off. Like, yeah. take a break if you need to. Like, hey, like, your your dad died. Like, well, thank you for once. Somebody trying to look after her, like, mental health, because I think she definitely needs that. She's also, you know, Betty agrees with me, and she thinks that the Gargoyle King is not supernatural, but just, you know, somebody who can be killed like any other serial killer. I, I do think that she's kind of missing the point here of, like, you just remembered that your sister's kids were dropped into a fire and, like, floated. Like, what about that? There's, so there's something, there's something true trippy going on. And I don't know if I'll go so far to say supernatural, but there's definitely something happening that we need an explanation for still. Yeah, I, like, and they, like, it comes up in this episode, like, is the Gargoyle King now the same one from before? Maybe not. Do you think we'll ever find out who the original Gargoyle King was back in the Midnight Club? Yes, I think that we will. Do you think that it is the same Gargoyle King as the current one? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. It just doesn't make sense. Like, if it was the same one, I feel like the same one would have been terrorizing them all for decades. I, I think I think it, it's pretty likely that the original Gargoyle King was Hal Cooper or possibly his father or someone related to the mm -hmm. Cooper family. I think that's pretty likely. Uh, we've seen that. I think that would make sense. I think that we would understand why he wanted to be a serial killer tormenting people. I think that makes sense. I, I, I think that the current one, well, we'll get to it, but I, I think it's a different person, but I think that they, they are going to be related in some way. I think that there's, they have knowledge of what happened before. Oh, um, just to go way back, did we, I'm like losing my mind when they do talk to dr curdle about Hal, he's like yeah we found a hand that matches it yes and it's like i've seen the prisoner of azkaban yeah this is some peter Pettigrew shit that's that's immediately what i thought was well because they said part of a hand and so i thought it could have been just like a couple fingers or like it's you know part of the hand part of the finger so yeah we did mention that but i definitely think a hand i mean you can live without your hand if yeah. they said like we found internal organs or something well, like, like that'd be one thing to be honest with how much fire that crash ap appeared to have like he could have cut off his hand and then cauterized it immediately yeah yeah I, I mean I think we'll probably find out eventually but I think likely what happened was that Hal Cooper was involved in staging some sort of crash and either accidentally or intentionally more likely intentionally sacrificed a part of himself to make it look like he had died and do the people you know. who died in the crash count as victims of serial killer Hal Cooper if they if if it was true that he planned the crash if he just happened to benefit from the crash then i guess i don't no. i don't think that but he just happened now to of course there's the tricky part of they had six heads still so either there was an undocumented seventh person with them who i i would counted. assume that there's maybe like a seventh person who helped cause the crash to get him to escape and then how killed him to yeah either, to make either it that or like someone nearby out. a bystander who was near the road or something i think we're getting to because yeah we're spoiling this ahead here but yeah hell cooper definitely did not dead not well, i mean if anyone's die. listening to this i hope they watch that episode already i would hope so okay but sorry back to to jughead well right so so they find they they follow a lead from dr curdle jr again that kurtz had tattoos on his back where previously everyone else we've seen i think in ben and dilton and a few other people have just sort of had carvings into their back either like brands or, or looks more like uh, some kind of carving looks disgusting yeah like most of them have always been like a, a carving 
Irving. Yeah. In their skin. And then Kurz has those symbols tattooed on his back. Right. And they said that he got them, what, like a month ago or so? So he's had them for a little while. Well, and I'm not going to lie. Those tattoos did not look that fresh. (laughs) No. Although, I mean, a month. You, you stop, like, scabbing from tattoos after, yeah, like, after a week like or so. Yeah, after, like, two-ish weeks, yeah. I would say you'd be, like, fully healed. But, like, they they almost looked faded. Like, they didn't look new. Yeah, it's a little tricky. So they go to the tattoo artist, and then the guy says that Kurtz was the second person to get those tattoos, but someone else did it about a year ago. And uh, that reminded me, wow, this season has been going on for a year, both in real time and in yeah, it's been the show so time. long. It's been a long time. <laughs> it's kind of more continuity here they walk in and immediately the guy's like i need to see id to make sure you're over 18 and then he says that he didn't get the name of the guy who got the tattoos before like so i think he looks at their id but he doesn't like keep it well okay but you should at least be able to remember the whatever name you saw on the id i mean who cares that guy probably had i don't know i anyway. certainly wouldn't be able to i like I used to work in a store that sold like cigarettes and and lotto and I would have to check people's IDs all the time and I would have never been able to tell you maybe but if the guy's already acting a little sketchy and like won't let you take pictures I don't know so Betty immediately jumps to the conclusion that she thinks it's Edgar because the guy says he has sandy hair and blue eyes and he is weirdly magnetic now and same girl same I was right there with her well I I didn't immediately jump to that but I did think I did think okay probably someone that we know probably someone who's related to the farm I think it could have been a couple different people, though. I would have to figure out exactly what the time frame of this is. Like, is this before or after Hal got arrested? Because my mind immediately went to Hal, but then also went to he's supposed to have green eyes because the Black Hood has green eyes, reportedly. I think it could be a lot of different people. I, I don't... I agreed with Betty that it was probably Edgar, but I also don't think that Edgar needs to still have those tattoos for it to be him. I can get to how I think that was the case. But first off, KJ Appa, he's He's got two gigantic tattoos on his shoulders, which are covered up for the show. You can Mm -hmm. cover up tattoos. It's a thing you can do. You could also, I mean, potentially, maybe he got the tattoo in some kind of ink that turned invisible. I mean, who who knows? Maybe he got them in white ink. I I don't know. They didn't ask enough questions to find out. But I still think that Edgar could potentially have tattoos. Yeah, it's not impossible. It could be covered. Like, yeah. Kat Von D has incredible foundation. So Betty's putting this all together and she agrees with us that the farm and the gargoyle stuff is probably the same. She kind of lists off all the reasons that we had said before. They both have, uh, they both believe in ascension. They both, I love when she says they both are run by creepy dudes. I think that's kind of funny, but I agree. The only problem is with her saying all of this kind of makes me feel like, ooh, this is probably not going to just happen the way she's saying it because they wouldn't be saying it right now if that was the case. Then again, in both season one and two, Betty basically has a similar moment where she's like, I think my dad's the Black Hood, like two episodes yeah. before the end of the season. So it could be a thing. I think it is true. I do think the farm and gargoyle stuff are the same. I just don't think that it's going to be as easy as take off your shirt. I just think that this show needed to fabricate a reason for Chad Michael Murray to take off his shirt. And you know what? I'm okay with it. Wow, he's still so hot. Yeah. They can't have him in the same room as Archie because his abs are so much better. You know who also has sandy-ish hair and blue eyes, I think? The uh, Sheriff Keller. Shut up. (laughs) I'd be okay with it. I just want him to have a purpose. So, yeah. So they go to the farm and Betty's like, take off your shirt. And there's a little quick callback where Chad Michael Murray is like, join us. Join us. Not quite as creepy, but a little bit 
they're also talking about like we walk into this scene and he's talking about how in tribes when elders die they would consume their bodies to absorb their wisdom i don't want to dive into that i would if there's one thing like i know riverdale has done an insane amount of plots and crazy stuff and when we were trying to come up with fake plot lines for our little quizzes in renap it was tough because there's a lot they haven't done like there's sorry there's not a lot they haven't done and if they could just please just keep cannibalism off the table that's the one thing the creepiest part of this was he ends that sentence with saying that was a great question alice i'm sorry what was her question what do we do when the elders die do we eat them what was her question yeah i i was horrified i just like i'm blacking it out okay yeah so they're also in the furnace room which has been a thing for the last couple episodes i guess they just don't use the gargoyle chamber anymore i don't know whatever also chad michael murray already has two buttons unbuttoned which i think was a little excessive you know what? I-, I want more buttons unbuttoned. I'm okay with him walking around with a fully open button up. I don't care. Chad Michael Murray's so hot. Yeah. How old is Chad Michael Murray? Um, probably too old for me to be this into, but I don't care. Chad Michael Murray is 37. All right, respectable. Now, how old? Uh, what's the actress's name who plays Evelyn? Oh, uh, I have no idea. I-, I-, I love that they have um on the Wikipedia page, also known as Daughter of Manson, Child of the Corn, which is... <laughs> pretty funny okay zoe and how old is she in in real life in real life she is 23 so oh and she's playing a 26 year old who pretends to be a 17 year old so she's one of the younger people she's actually one of the younger cast members she's probably the closest to my age in the cast i'd have to remember i think actually the actress plays veronica i think camilla mendez Mm, camilla mendez is closer to my age so yeah it's a little weird that she's supposed to be married to someone who's 37 but that's fine that's okay we can we can move on chad michael murray takes off his shirt does not have tattoos on his back he does have the same tattoo that alice has on his wrist which is even funnier when a man has it to be honest like it's to me it's funny no matter who has it but it was like extra funny for him to lift up his like he's so jacked and he's like look i also have this uh infinity symbol tattooed on my <laughs> jughead's kind of like oh well it should be a relief at least that your mom isn't actually marrying a second serial killer which was also kind of like haha pointing out the show funny um i don't know uh, i mean he's definitely a serial killer right though edgar ever never definitely a serial killer in some way he if he if he has not physically committed the murders then he has commanded them like charles manson yeah i mean i think he is very similar to hiram in that way also this is like the second or third episode in a row with no hiram and no hermione so yeah well no hiram was in the last episode in the steam room oh yeah do we count that that was like a deleted scene basically so jughead is trying to figure out how can we trap the gargoyle king well i'm reading his book and of course he's going to definitely listen to everything in his book because he somehow will just know what we're doing i don't know there's so many plot holes in this but he's reading it says after the false prophet is sacrificed is that referencing edgar i like i have no idea i well i assume the false prophet is kurtz oh maybe the shire will have a bacchanal first off did you know that word because i had to google it um i i'm certain i've like heard it before but i don't like is it a party says an occasion of wild and drunken frivolity no sorry revelry i like the word frivolity better but anyway frivolity probably my second or third favorite word behind uh perpetual love perpetual it's a great word and tenacious 
It's another great word. Okay. Tenacious is a great word. You're right. So he says, after this bacchanal, to celebrate the coronation of the Griffin Queen. And Betty's just like, oh, so I'm the Griffin Queen in this scenario? But like, how would the Gargoyle King know that she's the Griffin Queen or about prom or anything? So I'm just assuming that when they were at Sisters of Quiet Mercy and Betty was like, we need the Griffin Queen. I'm assuming that Griffin Queen is like a character in the game that just has hasn't been like a huge feature of like the quests and stuff and so like they took that from something like she didn't make it up yeah and something that's interesting is you know you got this game called griffins and gargoyles the griffin queen seems to be like a good character and the gargoyle king seems to be bad and yet everyone seems to worship the gargoyle king kind of interesting that you have that there so basically this whole plot hinges on betty being the prom queen first off want to stop down real quick where do you have prom in canada i think um so some places have a prom but a lot of them don't where i graduated high school you did not have prom you had what was called grad and so you would have like your convocation day and then that evening everyone would wear like their prom dress type thing that night to like a fancy dinner with like bare there was like three dances and literally every person would like walk a runway with their date so everyone would get to see them in their dress and, and did, that. did you go to this thing i did go to it yes great can you send me a picture of you in your prom dress why because i think it'd be funny to tweet out pictures of us in our prom dresses for i mean the here's the thing my dress was fabulous however my hair did not turn out well and it rained that day so i'm pretty self-conscious about it but i will find a picture of me and my date keen and we can tweet them out great so all right prom yeah what about you what wait what color was your prom dress my prom dress was red red okay okay i pretty much every formal dress i've ever worn has been some shade of red or burgundy I guess all of your clothes is, is burgundy, so. Pretty much. We discovered that recently. Yeah, I think uh, being pale with brown hair, I mean, it kind of doesn't matter what color hair you have. Red's a good color. <laughs> Red's a great color. I love wearing red. What color do you think my dress was? Blue. I had a black dress. Oh, classy. I mean, I guess. Yeah, I I, uh, I wore my prom dress actually a second time for something called the ring dance, which was in college. Prom where I grew up is like, because, so they're talking about how this is their junior prom. Despite the fact that we have been talking about nothing but college for the entire season, uh, junior prom apparently is what this is. And I think that it's kind of like, so so at least in my school, junior prom was not different than senior prom. Like it's, Yeah, it was like one prom and then only juniors and seniors yeah, can go, right? juniors and seniors can go so like I'll reference my junior prom but it's still it was somebody's senior prom it was just my junior prom so it's still one dance and you just go well, yeah why would you have two dances it would just split the budget right typically the way we would do it in my school was that if you were a junior you would wear a short dress and if you were a senior you would wear the full long ball gown kind oh, of dress okay, okay. Um, it wasn't like a hard and fast rule definitely some people did not do that but it was a little more common to do it that way so my junior prom dress was very short and not very short but sh- uh, short short dress and and kind of bizarre um okay yeah no ring dance though in college is it basically prom but you're celebrating getting a ring so did you have a dance associated with whatever you were doing or was that no. just a runway no it was like just the runway you would eat dinner and then you had like a dance with your date a dance with like your parent 
And oh, interesting. Then so your parents you would, would go too? Yeah, our, and our parents were there. It was just like a formal dinner. It was very weird. And then you would have, and then they would play like three more songs that you could dance to if you wanted. And then you would leave that, you'd go home and change. And then they had what was called after grad, which was in the middle of literally a field. We just, our parents were bartenders and we got drunk in a field. It was very weird. Anyway, no one cares about our prom. So, however, we do care <laughs> about the prom plotline. Now, I have this plotline is called Cheryl Prom Slash The Farm because there was a lot of stuff that I didn't know whether or not to stick it in other plots or just to go with it. So, Cheryl comes to everyone and announces that it's junior prom and that the theme is going to be fire and ice, which also, if you're interested, is the theme of the engagement party on Revenge. Please watch Revenge. It's great. <laughs> and listen to our Revenge podcast. It'll come back eventually. My sister's about to, to back finish and, her school and do year. A watch. Yeah. I mean, you said she was going to do one at Christmas time and did We did. Happen? We released uh, one episode, I think. Oh, well. It might not have been Christmas time. I don't remember. Whatever. Um, I know one got done at one point, but I feel like it wasn't when we were told we were going to get it. So yeah. we're, we're going to get we're going to get more very soon. Uh, she has Maymester, but then she'll be done in like a couple what weeks. What the hell is Maymester? Yeah. So in school, sometimes, especially college or grad school, you can sometimes do a thing called Maymester where sometimes Maymester extends through June. Sometimes it's just in May. And it's like you can take like one or two classes, but you just do them really quick in like two, three, four weeks. And so oh. it's a way to get ahead um, in May. Anyway, huh. so you got your spring semester, your fall semester, and your May semester. Uh, I never did May semester, but I did in my college do the like first summer session, which was like six weeks. And I took two classes and you just do two classes like six weeks. Yeah, really I did one class in that period at that at one time, but I also worked a full-time job and a part-time job at that time. And it was horrible and I don't recommend that. Yeah, it's rough. Also, we have on the show, again, announcing the ship titles, Choney or Shoney, depending on how you say it. I like to say Choney, I- but I think Shoney actually makes more sense given her name um, is Cheryl. Yeah, Shoni makes more sense and makes me want to stab myself in the eye a little bit less. Okay, Shoni is not like that's definitely the least bad of all of the ship names. I mean, they're all bad. I mean, Veggie is the best, but <laughs> wow, where has Reggie been? Reggie's gone. I'm so upset. Wait, is he actually only- gone? I have no idea, but we haven't seen him. And the only thing that makes me okay with Reggie being gone is seeing Chad Michael Murray's abs. Gosh, this is so sad. Please bring Reggie back. When was the last time we had Reggie? I mean, I think he was in the- When they broke up. Was he in the musical episode? Oh, he was- He might- Oh, yeah, he was, because he was like, we're just two heterosexual dudes doing theater. Two single dudes. And it was, like, very weird. So it actually hasn't been that long, but we've had at least one or two hiatuses. Hiatuses. Whatever. All right. So Evelyn says that you cannot campaign for prom queen because it's forbidden because it goes against their structures of equality. Uh, Also, why are they not wearing white anymore? They just, like, sometimes- Like, is it like a we wear white on Fridays or something? Yeah, on Wednesdays, we were white. Yeah, all white Wednesdays. I don't know. Also, uh, I like that Cheryl seems to be a little bit more herself in this episode for the most part. A little more believing in the things. Like later in the episode when she like turns to Tony and is like, maybe being a farmy isn't such a good idea. Yeah. And Cheryl also calls out Evan. She's like, uh, Evan, Evelyn. She's like, aren't you like 30? So we had this whole reveal last episode that Evelyn is older, has been repeating the 11th grade and also is married. I was going to say, don't, don't they care in Riverdale? shouldn't she be kicked out but also i forgot yeah like, but the, the principal, principal is a yeah. farmy principal's yeah. a farmy so it probably doesn't matter so i guess betty just gave up on that but it's definitely interesting um so cheryl actually talks with edgar and says you know like oh being prom queen would be great for the farm because i'll have a platform to spread the message and he's like yeah no you can either talk to jason or be prom queen so she's like okay don't take jason away please yeah and it's like very very sad is it i still like it's it's sad just hearing her be like 
please don't take Jason away from me. That's what's sad. It's like sad. the rest of it. It's like this is all fake, whatever. But like she genuinely is like, I've already lost my brother once before. Like I can't lose True. him again, and that is sad. So Betty and Jughead decide that we need to trap the Gargoyle King. So we need to make this authentic. And all of a sudden, for whatever reason, we need to have cosplaying as medieval times or like a Renaissance fair. I think it's a little bit ridiculous how quickly everyone manages to pull together these outfits. But it seems like they changed the theme like three days before prom. I don't know. Like, did they, like, like is there, like, a huge extensive costume shop that has enough, like, renaissance outfits to outfit all of Riverdale? Or, like, is the town just, like, really into, like, renaissance fairs and so they already have it? If all these kids were already playing Griffins and Gargoyles, maybe some of them had stuff. I don't really know. So Cheryl's just like, yeah, sure, you can do whatever. It doesn't matter if I can't be queen. So she's a little butthurt about that. So a little bit less brainwashed than normal, which is nice. There is a really great moment where the subtitle, just out of context, just says blows raspberry, which I think is great because as Betty and Jughead are sort of walking away being like, oh, that was easy. Jughead's like, <laughs> like makes the I can't do it right. But I'm like, okay, I just appreciate that out of context subtitle. <laughs> anyway, so there's like a quick little truce that these serpents and the pretty poisons make. I don't know who's in charge of the pretty poisons. Yeah, I assume so no peaches. One- yeah, so I guess Peaches and Cream is, but just because Tony's busy and Cheryl hasn't been their boss in a while. Well, I assume like, that if you can't be prom queen, you also can't, like, own a gang. Yeah, I guess so. That's not very equal. Jughead's just like, sure, Gargoyle King is definitely going to show up. I don't know. I just still think this is dumb. Um, This is another time I noted that Betty was wearing a really cute crop top. Uh, She had, like, a skirt crop top combo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that was the best outfit of the whole episode. I love... A- crop sweater with like a little scalloped edge at the bottom super cute very in it's very cute i want one pop talks with veronica in which case i just wrote oh my gosh don't kill off pops on the show because it definitely seemed like he was like i need to tell you something i'm dying that's oh my god I thought, yeah, he, was I thought he was gonna say he had cancer or something yeah uh instead we cut away also i appreciate all the prom dresses though there's a lot of push-up bras and or um corsets in this episode so typical. i mean how else are you supposed to dress for the medieval times or the renaissance I don't know. All right. So here is the actual prom. They managed to change the theme overnight. Everyone's down. We talked about that. I like yeah. Kevin and Fangs in their like pirate sort of gear, but Fangs is like still wearing the serpent jacket, which is kind of funny. Yeah, it's it's kind of underreported that Jughead just like doesn't care that Fangs joined the farm. Like that's yeah. been the least mentioned it's person. Just, like Fangs is everywhere and I don't know how to feel about it. Like we said, he's a he's a triple dipper. Um so he's awesome. Jughead and Betty are cute. I think Jughead has like the griffin on his shirt again where did they get this stuff no one knows betty is stacking the votes but like she's running unopposed but she's like we don't want to have no surprises so the plan is that the serpents and the pretty poisons are going to like chain all the doors and lock everyone inside once prom starts so that they can't have the gargoyle king escape um which i think is a like okay plan but clearly backfires in some ways uh jughead's crown also his beanie crown works really well here looks cute looks good veronica and archie are dancing and Okay, so here's where we find out the bomb that Pop told Veronica. So apparently, for the past year, Veronica has not been actually owning Pops or the speakeasy. And (laughs) I was curious because at the beginning of the episode, we had a previously on Riverdale that showed us a whole bunch of stuff that happened last episode. And also the scene from way back in like season one. I don't, don't, when was this? Maybe it was season two. I think it was was either end of season one or in season two. Yeah, where Veronica is trading her deed for the white worm with the deed for pops and 
this just tells me this is why 16-year-olds should not own buildings because they're not smart enough to like have a lawyer go over the deed and make sure it's legit. Apparently it was just a fake deed the whole time. And Veronica's not even upset like, oh, well, I should get the white worm back or anything. I mean, I, I don't really know. I, I guess at this point she's a kid. Like if she if she told Hiram like, hey, I see what you did. I think he'd be like, oh, well, sorry. Like you fell for it. It definitely though, it sets up what we're clearly doing with season four, which is going to have Hiram return as the big bad. Yep. And they're going to take down Hiram because she says like, oh, now it's time to take him down once and for all. So that makes me think season four might be mm-hmm. the end of it all. Um, also, they keep talking about the old days. And I'm like, the old days were like a year ago. You need to chill out. It's not like it's been that long. You can also just go back to the old days whenever you guys decide to be normal humans again. But whatever. But yeah, so Hiram doesn't know that she knows. And she does not plan on informing Hiram that she knows. So thank you for the first time ever. People are not just immediately confronting people with their information. Like all we've been saying all season for Betty and the farm, for Veronica and Hiram, Mm -hmm. just pretend, go along with it because it's so much easier to take someone down from the inside. So Mm -hmm. thank you. I hope this lasts, but I have no hope. I think in the next like episode or two, or at the very least by the first episode of season four, Veronica will be telling Hiram that she knows and it's just- And like just doing something stupid. Yep. Oh well. Betty then gets a note from the Gargoyle King that was delivered to her from someone. And he says like, I got this from a druid who got it from a centaur. I'm sorry, are people dressed up as centaurs at this prom as well? I I really hope that's the case. I truly can't handle it if that is the case. We didn't see any, but I really wanted to. The note tells her to go to the original Ascension Night room, which I assumed was the classroom, but she goes to the bathroom where the cups were. Like there were a lot yeah. of flashbacks throughout this scene of flashing mm-hmm. back to Alice as the yes. uh like back from the Midnight Club episode. Yeah. Which was a little bit confusing and I could see how if you like had not been paying enough attention, you could be kind of not even noticing what was happening because it's Yeah, just- I had to <laughs> I had to pause and go back in this scene because I was like, what's happening? Yeah, because it's just Lily Reinhardt wearing two slightly different outfits walking through the halls. But yeah, so she goes in into the bathroom, she sees the cups, and she's like, not happening. I will not be drinking the- from these cups. Well, and at this point I thought, okay, clearly Hal is involved because this is the kind of thing that he used to do with her when he was the black hood of calling her and being like, come here alone, do this kind of creepy thing. So I definitely thought that we were going to get some Hal Cooper action happening here. So she she sees all the flip for your fate things, which also like we've talked about this, but flip for your fate, like you're just picking between goblets. You're not flipping anything unless you have a coin that you're flipping, but we don't see that. So she leaves the bathroom and she sees the gargoyle king in the hallway. This is the point where I was watching this at like 2 a.m. and I took my headphones out because I thought it was too scary. So I was listening to it on very quiet volume. Look, I'm sorry. The gargoyle king is kind of scary. Like I knew he was going to be there, but it's still kind of creepy. And she, once again, does not try to like unmask him. She does pull out a gun, which I like... Thank you, but also you came to prom with a gun. Great. Doesn't matter though, because the gun gets knocked out of her hand instantly because the black hood's there. Obviously. Like, if you were watching this episode and did not see this coming, I don't, literally, I don't know how to help you if you didn't see this coming. And he has a damn hook on his hand. I really appreciated that. No, enough. Enough with, stop it. The hook is too far. So there is a parody about Harry Potter called a Harry Potter musical. And there is a part in there where somebody loses their hand and just has a hook for the rest of the show. That's definitely 
definitely what this reminded me of. It was really great. Yeah, except I like it in a very Potter musical. It was funny. So then she sees like a dead body. Someone's mm-hmm. on the, someone is dead on the ground in the newspaper office. I don't know who it is. I paused it and reround it like three times trying to figure I, out like, I who is this? Who is this was. supposed to be someone we know? Is this Cheryl? No, I think it was just random person. I don't know why someone left the, the prom and went there, but okay. Also, I still don't understand why she didn't go to the classroom that the Midnight Club happened in, but... Because that's where the Ascension Night was supposed to be. I don't know. I guess, like, she just understood that they meant the bathroom. Yeah. So there is, like, a pretty cool chase scene. The Black Hood is running his hook along the lockers. It's cool. Betty goes into the locker room and turns on a bunch of showers. Steam would definitely not be created at that point unless the hot water pressure is just amazing. At Riverdale which High. Which I highly, I highly doubt that. Yeah. So there's also a dead dude in the shower, which we pan to like three separate times. We do not need to see this dead dude three times. No, no. I'm sick of looking at this dead guy. Yeah. So then she somehow escapes there and goes to hide in the creepy cupboard under the stairs where Jughead lived and also where we know the principal died in the past. So that was yeah. creepy. Obviously, there's a dead body in there too. It's a headless one though. So that's kind of fun. And I bet the head is at that car accident. Ooh, probably. <laughs> so uh, her dad is banging on the door. I, we keep saying her dad i mean it's the black hood we assume it's her dad like there could be a chance it's not but let's just go with it's being her dad um he's banging on the door and she's like dad why why are you doing this did you ever stop to think like why is her dad doing this though like why is her dad chasing after her so i like even though like it has to be hal missing hand and all that i still was like this doesn't look like hal yeah i don't know I was I was a little bit confused of what he was doing. I mean, there's a chance that it could be Hal who's like on Fizzle Rocks. I mean, who knows exactly what's happening, but it, it does seem a little bit weird that he is going after Betty when they were on such good terms when he was in the prison for a while, unless he was just pretending to be on good terms with her. I don't know. Yeah, I, it, like he's been kind of like a, a confidant for her this season. So it's very weird to see like that relationship turn. Yeah, it, it just doesn't make sense. So we'll see if there's any fallout. I mean, he never directly looked like he was trying to kill her i guess i mean no i guess he did in the newspaper room when she had to like slam that thing onto his head yeah so it's possible somehow though she's holding the door shut and the door's sort of banging because her dad's on the other side and then all of a sudden it's jughead there who was like oh i didn't even see your dad i, I don't know how in a split second her dad vanished and jughead got yeah, to the door I don't whatever know. so she's fine she immediately goes and talks with jughead and fp and they are like wow we were really dumb yes yes you were mm-hmm. really dumb it was definitely too easy this whole plot line so i don't know why you thought this would work y'all dumb whatever yeah and uh then we get the end of the, end of the episode betty tells her mom again she goes back to the farm tells her mom that her dad is back and killing people again and alice is just like nope i refuse to believe it i've decided to pretend this doesn't exist mm-hmm. which fair and betty's like um yeah but he might be coming here next because i told him about you and edgar getting married and i told him about like edgar wanting to take the kids so he might be coming mm-hmm. here i don't really know why he would be coming there like if he cares about protecting the kids he wouldn't have tried to kill betty i don't know the, the two things don't really fit together either way edgar comes in and says like oh it's fine you can just stay here which i think is a firm finger in the direction of edgar was involved i mean i think edgar was 99 percent in that costume in the school yeah no he had to have been he has to be involved yeah so i think hal and the farm are totally working together in some way and that this is somehow a ploy to get betty to stay at the farm i don't really know like to what end or why but it's definitely they're definitely combined in some way i mean okay there's there's another outcome we could look at here which is edgar somehow caused the accident and got hal out gave him some kind of drugs to make him go 
crazy and set okay. him loose on Betty. So, like, Maybe. that's possible. Like, the, I, I don't, because that's the problem is, I think that there's a lot of similarities between the Gargoyle King and the farm. There's a little bit less of, like, motive when you look at Hal. Like, what motive, like, Hal has motive to attack the farm, but he doesn't have motive to attack Betty. And so that's yeah. what's confusing here. So maybe we'll get an answer eventually. Maybe we won't. Um, I would love an answer. Please. I don't know. But that was pretty much it for the episode. This was a little bit longer, especially after last week's uh, recap. It's a little bit longer one. Yeah. Um, well, I feel there was a lot more to get into this episode. Like, the last episode was just, like, a lot of crazy stuff happened, but, like, it wasn't that interesting. Whereas this, I feel like, has longer term implications for the rest of the show. Yeah. I, I, I like that they started this episode pretty much after right after the end of the last episode, but they definitely just ignored huge things from the previous episode, which is why I think we need to stop caring so much about, like, Veronica's money trouble and, like, Archie getting involved in murders because no one cares and one episode later it'll be all swept under the rug. Like, the first 12 episodes of this season had to do with Archie going to jail because of um, being involved in a murder last season and then he's involved in another murder this season and nobody cares after one episode. Yeah, well, except I don't think this, it was a a murder. I think it was manslaughter, to be honest. Well, sure, but he seemed to suffer no legal consequences from this. Like, Mm -hmm. there wasn't even a legal trial or anything. I mean, same with FP, but I guess maybe Pop was just like, oh, I understand. I don't know. Who knows? I truly just need more information. So the title of the episode, Prom Night, probably based off of a 1980 movie that had a 2008 remake with Britney Snow. The original was with Jamie Lee Curtis, because of course. And it was (laughs) a horror film that uh, the description says, at a high school senior prom, a senior prom, oh, it's different than a junior Mm, prom, um, a masked serial killer stalks four teenagers who were responsible for the accidental death of a classmate six years previous. So, and that so checks I, out. I saw the remake in 2008 in theaters. And let me tell you what I remember. It started with a scene to the song Time of the Season. And other than that, I remembered n- almost nothing. It looks pretty great. Uh, the poster for the movie appears to have people in masks, um, much like the masks they were wearing at prom, the sort of masquerade style mask. So that was kind of cool. We actually had yeah. a close but no cigar this episode. Yes. I'm so excited. I didn't even realize it until I was reading through my notes after the fact. But at one point, uh, Molly Ringwald's character is talking about how she met the person from the Naval Academy, Brooke Rivers. And she says, we met at Sarah Florence. Now, Sarah Florence, if you don't know, is definitely a play on Sarah Lawrence, which is a college, a private liberal arts college in Yonkers, New York. So more evidence to the New York theory of location. (laughs) And I don't love it. Though we did get a shout out to Chicago in this episode also. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, at the beginning of Riverdale, Chicago came up a lot for a show that's not even anywhere near Chicago. That's all I'm saying. I have come around. I know it's in New York now. It's still fun to believe that it could be in Chicago or near there. In my heart, it's in Illinois. (laughs) So thank you for the Close But No Cigar series. This has been a, it's been a while since we've had one of these. Yeah, it has. It has been a minute. Yeah. Now we've got a tough one here. All right. Most normal person. All right. I don't think we can give it to Pop because we keep giving it to Pop and Josie. And Josie also, wasn't even I don't episode. think that Pop was the most normal person because he's been hiding the fact about the speakeasy and Pops for over a year. So did Pop just find out or did he just no. feel like telling Veronica? I think he just felt like telling her. That's so mean. He really should have told her earlier. Yeah, he should 
I don't love that. All right, let's see. Who could it go to? Could it go to... I mean, Cheryl was more herself, but if I, I would have given it to Cheryl if she had just in the last second been like, you know what? Nope, I'm going to run for prom queen. Then I would have probably yeah. given it to her, but she didn't. Uh, well, and that's the thing too is though, but now that's not even most normal person. It's just who's most like their character. Like, I almost want to say Mary Andrews because she was concerned about like CTE and stuff with her son, but like then she was like, cool, I'm going to hand you college, which doesn't seem very normal. We could give it to the recruiter lady. But yeah. she's, not, she's not really a series regular, so be kind of a but little bit of a cop-out. I, I think she might have been the most normal person in the episode, though. She actually wanted to see him fight before offering him a scholarship. Maybe. It, we could also give it to Fangs. I feel like Fangs had a pretty normal episode. What'd he do? He went to prom with Kevin, and he uh, wanted to fight Archie. I don't know. He's just no, like an everyday that was not normal. Guy. What about Peaches? Can we give it to Peaches? Peaches is in a gang! Dang it. Um, I do <laughs> love their hairstyles. They're like pin-up hairstyles. Yeah, love that. love that. Big fan. Um, Shoot, I don't like any of these people to give it to uh can't give it to that guy who gave betty the letter um can you give it to edgar no um like uh betty wasn't normal but she was the only one who was worried about hal yeah fp can't can't have it veronica Uh, can't have it i think we need maybe jelly bean jelly bean was very normal because she's just like why are we concerned about this game it's just a game i miss my mom because i've never been without her do we believe that she truly just thinks it's a game still and she's just being used in all this I think she thinks it's just a game and I think, I think so for too. her like it's possible she might just be playing a game and she doesn't realize that there's larger implications. All right, I agree. I think uh I think JB is going to be the winner this JB, week. We came to we came to it. Yeah, so also I have to talk about this. Did you watch the deleted scene from this episode? I no, I wasn't aware there was a deleted scene. Please Everybody tell me more. should go watch it. It's on the CW website. I don't know how long it's going to last there for, but if you go to extras, there is a deleted scene called Promposal. Oh no. That's actually pretty great and it's it's uh it's like a minute and a half two minutes long and it's it's about fangs and his friendship with evelyn and it's really good i think it's a cute cute little scene it's kind of very classic riverdale kind of sweet kind of creepy at the same time so i think uh, i think that's a kind of cool scene i think they probably cut it because I don't, I, I don't actually think it's a deleted scene i think they never intended to put it in the episode but they wanted to film it because it sort of has an ad sponsorship as well in it oh okay um, I think AT&T or something maybe, but oh. I I thought it was a cute scene and I, I just like seeing a little bit more from these characters we don't get very often. I think Evelyn's a character I'd really like to know more about and she's a little bit one-dimensional, so I'd like to get more of Evelyn at some point. But it's a cute scene. You guys should go watch it. I, I will give it a try. Yeah, promposal. promposal. All right, so we actually got two reviews since the last time I checked. One of them we will mention at a different time. I think it will make more sense to talk about it during our season one recap. So Which will be coming back soon we've just been busy okay we need to find time to make it work you've been getting a podcast most weeks but yeah within a week or two I think we shall probably have season one episode eight and then yes with season three ending we'll have more time to focus on season one and season two yeah I'm excited to get into season two uh yeah so the review we have comes from Tom Coleman 21 and it is titled Mary and Kirsten are your spirit guides for the fever dream that is Riverdale so yes Riverdale thank you definitely is a fever dream most of the time um he writes from a attempting to decipher the plot to setting up a temp agency to get those hashtag river daddies some employment this show has it all if you want to know where the tent city is or what archie is actually good at this is the place for you now that's a false 
positive there because Archie is not good at anything. Yeah, exactly. And we will tell you. Uh, But yeah, if you want to know where Tent City is and if you want uh, some River Daddies to get employed, feel free. I mean, look, one River Daddy has a job and he's been doing his job, but the other one seems to have once again dropped off the face of the earth. Come back, Sheriff Keller. I still don't know why he is not employed by the Sheriff Department, but... I I truly don't understand. But yeah, so that was... Sorry, that was Tom who gave that review? Yes. So thank you, Tom. That was great. If uh, any of you want to be more like Tom and leave us a five-star review, we would really appreciate that. And I'm back on the iPhone train now, so I can actually see when you leave a review in Canada. And I saw one of you left a a three-star review. (laughs) And so you obviously don't listen to this podcast because we only accept five-star reviews. Uh, Yeah, that's okay. But feel free. (laughs) Feel free to uh, leave us a review if you want to include your Twitter handle or something. You can reach out to us and we'll we'll plug whatever you want for uh, for writing a review for us. So that was really great. Um, that's about it for this week's episode. Thank you for joining us and we will be back next week for a recap of episode 21. Probably only one or two more episodes left in this season. Well, I think definitely at least two more at this point, but yeah. maybe more. We'll see <laughs> what they update. Uh, yeah, so next week will be the penultimate episode of season three. Yeah, we thought, we thought this week was, but I think it'll be next week. Until then, you can follow me online at Frail Mary on every platform and you can follow Kirsten at Kirsten Said What on every platform, which kind of doesn't make sense if you're following Kirsten on Instagram because she's not saying anything on Instagram. I mean, branding is important. Uh Uh-huh. I have a username on every platform. It makes me easy to find and I say stuff on Instagram in my stories. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. (laughs) But yeah, feel free to check out our revenge podcast if you would like to on KowskiCast.com. That is cow with a K. And we will hopefully be bringing that back soon. If you are new to revenge and you like Riverdale, it's got some similarities in that it is a sort of teen drama, though I would say skewing a little bit more to like young adult adult. I mean, not not in content, but the age range of the characters are older. I think most of the characters are supposed to be in their 20s or so. So appreciate that. But if you like that, it's uh, got also some great costuming, which we talk about a lot. Until then, we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Because no one cares, and one episode later, it'll be all swept under the rug.